We're so proud of you. You did such a good thing. Isn't that amazing? Give me a hug. That's great. You did so good. You weren't awkward. No, no. Now, we talked last week about how many of you like running, how many of you don't like running. Do you like running now? I do. Okay, good. Yeah, well, you ran 32 miles. I, I hope that you do. Uh, if you, I'm going to do the 6K, and that's, I'm going to, I don't know what training looks like for this, but we're going to do it together. So I encourage you to do this. The story's incredible because she saw a need. She said, what can we do to, like, actually provide clean water, clean water to people? Her entire story reminds me of this concept of, when you partner with God, it's an adventure. The whole thing's an adventure. And, and in fact, when you partner with God, a lot of times he will ask you to give something up. So for her, the amount of time to go to Rwanda, the amount of whatever it would be to, to run 32, I would still be running right now if I tried that. But I'm telling you, when you partner with God, you're partnering with adventure. I think it's impossible to partner with God and to not call it an adventure. I think it's impossible. Here's what adventure is. It's an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. Okay? So I'm going to read that one more time. Adventure is an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. We're doing this Live to Give series, and this week too is what we're talking about of how great is your adventure of generosity. How great is this whole thing? And if you say, I, I don't like talking about this topic. It's weird and it's strange and all this stuff. You know who's made it weird and strange would be the world because Jesus talks a lot about this and he's not embarrassed to talk about it. He's not reserved to talk about it. And we talk about generosity. We're talking about giving our lives away in different capacities and in different ways for the sake of the mission, for the sake of our enemies, for the sake of our loved ones. And it's adventurous. It very much to me feels this way unusual okay it's unusual if you say no it's it's normal it's not normal just like go go live for 24 more hours and you're going to feel it's unusual if you live a life that is giving itself away is it exciting yeah because it's unusual and you don't know what's going to happen okay so it's exciting when you go i'm i'm going to take financial risks for god i'm actually going to give my time away from god i'm actually going to house people in jesus name i'm going to do this stuff for the community that's exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. Is it hazardous? Yeah. Yeah, I, and I've said this before, and I say it again. I 100% believe this. In this room, I believe there are people who are going to be sent to the mission field. We've already sent a couple off to Scotland. I believe there are future church planters. We say we want to start seven churches in 10 years, seven faith communities in the city of Denver. There are future church planters here. The sound of our voice. That's hazardous, okay? Is it an experience? Yes. And an activity? Yeah, it's an adventure. The whole thing's an adventure. When we were, uh, when we got married early on, we planned out an adventure. We planned out to drive down Highway 1 um, to go down the coast. You can see right there, we were thinking, this is not actually our map, this is from Google, but it was like this, and we were going, why don't we just take a trip together down Highway 1, and let's go, like, let, let's just experience. Let's sometimes stay in a tent on a beach, which, by the way, now sounds like really it just was going to hurt my back, but we're like, let's do it. Let's do that, and then let's stay at a hotel. Let's do, and let's try to, and not only let's drive down Highway 1 and experience the coast, but we're going to do it this way. 
It's going to be like this. Let's rent a convertible. If we're going to do it, let's do it like this, okay? And you go, what is this? It's a convertible. So some of you have motorcycles, and it's like way cool. But this is, this is a step down from that. But it's a step up from what we would have been driving, okay? So we're going, we're going to do this whole thing. In fact, I have in my notes, tell them we had big plans, quote, unquote. Okay, so I'm telling you we had big plans. It was going to be adventurous. And then we go, yeah, but the... Let's look at how much it costs. The cost of this whole trip was crazy to rent a car here and then return it here. And uh, we just said, we're not gonna do it. The cost is too much. The adventure seemed really fun, but the cost seems too high. And this is actually the story of our life. We will watch from a distance. It seems so great. The adventure of it all, so exciting. And then you go, yeah, but what's the cost? What's it going to cost me personally? What's the cost of it? And you go, oh, well, that's too big. It's too big. And then we, we back out. There's a book um, called The Island of Lost Maps. The author, Miles Harvey, he shares the same sentiment um, in his book. He, here's the quote from his book. You ready? He said, in my 30s, I spent a great deal of time at a traveler's cafe in Chicago whose walls were adorned with masks from different countries and shelves filled with guides to far-flung destinations, okay? This is like coffee shops all around. If you haven't been to Book Bar, Book Bar is right there off Tennyson. Book Bar has books everywhere. You can get lost in it like this. I was then the literary critic for Outside Magazine, a great job, but one that was beginning to wear on my patience. You see, the books I read were about people who climbed Himalayan peaks, rode a bicycle all across Africa, sailed wooden boats across the Atlantic, or, tracked in t or trekked into restricted areas of China. These tales of adventure filled my days and my imagination, and yet my own life was anything but adventurous. The interior of the coffee shop had clocks, each one showing times from distant places, and I watched the weeks ticking by in places like Timbuktu, all longing for an adventure of my own. And then he ends this passage by saying, I kept telling myself, when I grow up, I will go there and do that. But I was already grown up. This idea that you will have to embark on something in your life. The reason embarking with God on a journey is so intriguing to me is because it is all the things that an adventure promises, but the destination seems way better than just a mountaintop. The destination to me has been this idea of being with, just being with God on a journey is far out there. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I don't know if you ever thought that, that you do get this invitation into life with God. That's far out there. And we call it, by the way, wherever you're at with it, we call it your faith journey. You're on a journey. And in fact, there's a number you can text in on the top corner of the slide. You can text in questions, all these sorts of things, as we're together on your faith journey. But a journey is really, really boring if it's not adventurous. And this idea of generosity compels people because this is the way that J Jesus lived. He lived in a way, 
He was very adventurous. It's very exciting to read the Gospels. And so why we talk about this in November is because November and December, typically, in the way the world works and in culture, those are consuming months. So now, we will have a day where we just consume a bunch of food, okay? So we'll just put that there. You'll do it. And it's fine, but you should do it with people. And, and I'm telling you, this is the month, these are, this is the season where, believe it or not, we kind of get in this mentality of consumption and I think the script is flipped on us when we read the Jesus story. And he goes, no, no, all of life is about giving away for the good of the other person. All of life is. And God did it. We talked about that last week. This is, I mean, God did that. And then now we talk about if you do it, if you embark on this, it is an adventure. But you could also do the other thing where you can just look at the roadmap and you can plan it out and you can say it would be fun if and we should join and we should do this if and maybe we should give to and you can do that if you want to but you will be sitting in the coffee shop proverbially speaking and you'll be watching the clock ticking away while so many people like Caitlin are on an adventure with God. So we're going to jump into this, okay? We're going to jump into a story where someone literally does this. They ask I want to go on an adventure with you. Not those words, but in, in ancient Middle Eastern tone, okay? And they say, I want to go on an adventure with you. And he says, great. Then he requires this person to be generous, to kind of let go of all the things that had him. And then the guy goes, oh, but the map looks so good and the story I could be. And then, and then you'll see what happens. He, he chooses something else. So let, let's jump in to Luke chapter 18. Luke t- 18, this is... Just a story where Jesus is involved and another person's involved. And, and oftentimes we read this story and we get really panicky because it talks about this idea of money. And I tell you, don't get panicked because what Jesus is asking you to do may or may not be the same thing. But what you'll find is there's like, you're weighing it out. You're going, is a life with Jesus worth more than this? And that's what Jesus was trying to get to. A certain ruler asked him, asked Jesus, good teacher, which some of you are there. Some of you say, that's all Jesus is to me, a good teacher. Okay, well, we can start there. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to live forever? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. It's fascinating, by the way, that Jesus would do this, that he's actually using the person's question to show if you're calling me good by your own teachings, no one's good but God, are you equating me to God? Are you doing this? You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. And uh, the guy says, all these I have kept. Now, I I wouldn't be able to say all these I've kept since I was a boy. When I think about my childhood, I don't think about all those things. But he could. All these things I've kept since I was a boy. He said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So what, what must I do for this thing called eternal life? What do I do? And Jesus, instead of saying, come on the journey with me with all that you have, he says, okay, you've followed commandments well. You've done those things well. In fact, character and integrity are a thing for you. But what you haven't done is there's this one thing that has a hold of you, these riches that have a hold of you. Why don't you just give those away? In fact, Jesus was the kind of person who said, uh, the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. Like Jesus didn't have 
what all the other people had. And he did this intentionally. Scripture tells us he did this to model to us the heart of the Father, that the heart of the Father is to give you life. Life, life, life. And so he gave his away for your sake. So he models this, and then he asked this. Will you do this? When I, was, when I would read this before, I used to think a few things. One, one time I remember thinking, Jesus would never ask me to like sell all my stuff. Would he? And, uh, and I remember asking one of my seminary professors that question. I said, is this like a universal command? Some people take, um, they'll take vows of poverty, you know, because of this passage. And he said, no, he said, it's not that Jesus will ask you to give everything up. It's that you should be willing to if he did ask you to give everything up. And you go, oh, that's like, that's harder. <laughs> that's harder because that intrudes on a lot of areas of my life. It's really difficult for me. But it's an adventure, right? It's exciting. It's hazardous. It's not easy. This is an adventure. I mean, I don't know what you thought an adventure was. Comfortable? An adventure that's comfortable is one that you watch from the seats in a movie theater, okay? This is an adventure. Whatever the last movie you saw, whenever it was exciting and fun, and all that's, that's a comfortable. But you're not a participant in that. You're a spectator. Then when it comes to life with Jesus, you can be a spectator. But I would encourage you, don't do that because you will participate in something, and the other things won't offer you what Jesus will. So let's keep going. He asked these things. In verse 23, it says, when he heard this, he became very sad. Okay, there's like no better word. He became sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Which is a fascinating question. They're all probably looking at Jesus, who they have more than Jesus, and go, well, then, uh, I don't know, who can be saved? And he said, what's impossible with man is possible for God. Peter said to him, we've all left what we have to follow you. Peter's like the guy, you know, who cuts off the ear, and he's like, he just says what's on his mind. So Peter goes, well, we've all done this. We've all, the guy's a loser. We've all left what we had to follow you. And he said, truly, truly, I tell you, no one who has left his home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So much of this text speaks to us about this adventure. But here's the question, like the, over, uh, the, the overarching question is this. Why would I go, like, I don't know about you, but I read that. Maybe you're super spiritual, okay? Good for you. But I read this and I go, I don't know. There's, I don't, like, giving it all away, an adventure that might ask me to be generous seems really, really difficult. Why would I go on that? So that's what I'm going to, I'm just going to process with you, okay? Why would I go on this? Here's the first reason. Well, because God's inviting you. God's inviting you on this journey. I, it's amazing to me that Jesus says, do this and then follow me. As if, hey, what you have is too heavy for you to carry. It's actually burdensome for you. You know, we picture it as if Jesus is going, yeah, yeah, do all that and then give me the money. He doesn't say that. He says, give it away to the poor. I think because the reason is it's so heavy for you. Where Jesus goes and what he does and how he acts and who he interacts with, he needs you to let it go. 
As you follow Jesus, the territory Jesus goes into is not the same territory that the world goes into. It's the territory that the world's scared to go into. And Jesus marches in there. And people who have lots of, lots of bags of stuff, um, he says, I need, you gotta let that go. Because th- we have to model something before the people. The most powerful force in all the world, we've said this before, is sacrifice. It changes hearts. I mean, <laughs> the greatest thing that you can do for someone that is your enemy is to serve them and sacrifice for them. Now, I'm not saying if you're married that your spouse is your enemy, but if you are s- married and you go, for the moment, for the moment, my spouse feels like my enemy, though, then serve and sacrifice. It is the strongest force in the entire world. And so I think so much of the invitation is this. It's so, you have so much you're carrying so much you're carrying, I need you to let go. I need you to let go. So much stuff. Like, we, I heard someone say before, how do you know that you're rich? Is you just have more than you need. I mean, we literally have rooms for our cars. Right? Is that weird to you? It's weird to me. We have rooms for our cars. We have rooms for our clothes. We're called, they call them closets, Right? And if your child's small enough, you can actually put them in there in a pack and play, and, and you can be close to them in a hotel. It, it happens, right? You have to do that sometimes. It's the only separation you have, so you can sleep. But I mean, this is like, it's so bizarre to me. I think the invitation from God is let go so that you can follow. So that you can follow. Where I go, it's like Jesus is saying, where I go, you can't have so much stuff that it weighs you down. We move fast and we move where nobody else will move before. We do these things, and it requires a generous heart. Because where did Jesus end up going? To the cross. To the cross, okay? So just to let you know, he went to death to give you the riches of the Father, and he went to the cross with nothing, the death of a criminal. Um, You can think of it this way. Suppose you bought some shares in a company. I don't know how many of you are participating in the stock market, but if you are, suppose you bought some shares in a company, all of a sudden, your interest in those shares, in that company actually skyrockets. You're very interested in that company. Maybe you never researched the company before, but your money is there now, and because your money's there, then you go, oh, now I'm really interested how that company's doing. And you get frustrated when the company's doing bad, because why? Because your money is involved in it, and all that to say, when Jesus says, why don't you sell what you have and give to the poor? Why? Because then you'll start to go, how, how are the poor doing? How are those who are impoverished doing? How's the kingdom of God doing? What does it look like? Is the kingdom of God actively, forcefully making its way into um, the culture? Is the kingdom of God bringing peace to all nations? Is the kingdom of God doing this? Why? Because I invest in the kingdom of God, and I really, really care about the kingdom of God. I care. It's where my shares are. My stocks are in this thing. It's like how we act with everything else. Money leads, and then your heart follows. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he invites. Come with But you can't follow if there's no generosity. Just because where we go requires that you give things up. It's the powerful force of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Fascinating to me. Why would I go on this adventure? Well, because God invites me on this adventure. And he invites me in this way. Here's the second reason I would go. There's nothing amazing about sitting on the sidelines. Quite honestly. He says what's impossible with man is possible to God. Okay? What's impossible with man is possible to God, with God. So it's almost like this. It is 
highly unlikely that without God, we do things out of the goodness of our heart for our enemy and for the other person without ulterior motives. And some would say maybe impossible. But with God, because we're following him, it's like, it's very possible. It's very possible. Sitting on the sidelines, I, I don't know if you've ever done this. I remember, I mean, the difference would be like, I remember being at Downpour's Coffee, if you know where that is. That's like where if you want to meet with me and have coffee, well, guess where we go? Downpour's all the time. Be- because I'm addicted, okay? To, we'll just put it out there. I, I feel you, yeah. So, and, uh, I, and I love it. So we go to Downpour's. And I remember being at Downpours and them telling me about the coffee. So they're talking to me about it and how you need to use the espresso that is being ground within 15 minutes of it being ground. And I'm going, oh, awesome. So they're talking to me about this. And then the difference is they do that or they say, why don't you get behind the counter and try it? Do you want to try it? And I'm going like, I'm going to screw this up. It's going to be so bad. But yeah, I'm going to try it, you know, and I try to pour some fancy whatever, but it looks like horrible. But anyways, I'm I'm like, the difference is watching, and then when I got behind the counter and just started doing and participating, my interest and passion went up. Went up. I was already interested and passionate about it, but it like went up. Went up. So we could be spectators, which the sad part about the story is this is how it ends, is the guy goes, he gets sad. He's observing we could do this, or we could say, you know what, I'm, I'm in. Because there's nothing amazing about just learning about coffee and smelling it and then not making it for my neighbors. There's nothing amazing about that. What's amazing is when I can participate. So there's this, I'll tell you this tale of Fred and Ted. I just made them up, okay? Fred and Ted, Fred's one individual who knows, let's say Fred lives over here, okay? So Fred knows he wants to, there's financial goals he has, there's goals with his resources. When we're talking about generosity, by the way, yes, finance, but we're talking about the generosity of your life, living to give, your whole life. What does it look like, even emotionally? Some of you need to give emotionally to the person that you call your best friend or spouse. But anyway, so Fred's here, and let's talk finances. So Fred's here, and he goes, I got financial goals. I have financial goals, and in my financial goals, um, I need 100% of my income for my financial goals. So Fred has a conversation with God. God, I have these goals. I need 100% of my income. And God goes, but Fred, I, I, have, I have goals too, right? So, and I'm asking that you participate in these things through your generosity, Fred. I'm asking that you start churches, Fred. I'm asking that you do these sort of things. I'm asking you to do that. And he goes, well, I... I I've done the math. That's a math thing, right? Essentially, the math thing. By the time I die, I need to do this. So I... So he, Fred's over there. And then Ted's over here. And Ted goes, I, I have financial goals too. And, and, uh, and God, I, I'm just going to take the posture, which what we said is it's the floor, not the ceiling, right? Whatever you think you know about generosity in your life, whenever you learn about it in the context of Scripture, what you know is the floor, it's not the ceiling. You only go up from here. And, uh, and let's say Ted goes, you know, I, I'm just going to do the 10% thing. If you grew up in church, you know that's called tithes where people give 10%. He goes, I'm just going to do the 10. I'm going to give 10. But it doesn't add up, like the math doesn't add up. And, but I'm just going to do that. I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to give to God. And then I'm going to participate in giving to things with my time. And, my, and he says, I'm going to trust that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Okay, so I'm, uh, Ted's over here. Well, here, here's the crazy thing. 
Fred thinks Ted is an idiot, okay? Let's be quite honest. Ted thinks Fred is an idiot, okay? They both think this about. But th the question is, what idiot do you want to be? <laughs> what, who, who, how do you want to live? Is it the way that we say, what's possible with man is only possible? You can live that way. That's one story. Or you can say, what's possible with man, what's impossible with man is possible with God. So many times in our lives, just giving anything away is hard. So when God asks the rich young ruler, sell it. Where we go, it's too much. It's because, for, like he's saying, I need you to participate. I, I wonder what the story would have been if he was a character in the entourage of Jesus. His business savviness, what it could have brought to them. I don't know. I don't know. I just know he stayed a spectator. So the adventure, there's nothing spectacular about sitting on the sidelines. Here, here's another reason I think the adventure sounds good um, after processing this, not right away, is you have an opportunity most people can't even think about having. You know, most people cannot think about giving anything away. When we talk about the grand scope of the world, we just watched a video of people who don't have clean water. They do because of our friend Caitlin, but they don't, a lot of them don't have, and they will because you're gonna run six miles, okay? But, but they don't have clean water. Majority of them don't. They can't, the thought of giving time, energy, finances, of living to give is such a foreign thought sometimes. But guess what? In, in the reality, in the scope of things, they probably give more because they operate in a very, people operate in a very communal sense. We in America tend to operate in a very individualistic sense of what do, what is the, what do I need to do? What should I do? As opposed to, hey, what would Jesus ask of me? Like, I, I tell you this, e even in our kids' church, get this, this is amazing. We had a coordinator meeting today, which is just the coordinators that run the different ministries. We have been praying, we need more male, the volunteers in the kids' church. So Shannon, who is actually the kids' coordinator, she was talking in the meeting and, and debriefing. And she goes, actually, guys, I need more female leaders now. We like have, we have so many male leaders. And yeah, this is a great thing. This is like amazing. Because if, you, if you've been in the church over the past year, you know that's been something that we've prayed for. And, and she goes, yeah, there's, there's so many men in the church actually saying, I give, I give my time to this thing. It's an opportunity not a lot of people have. Serving in a church, it's not a lot of people have the opportunity to even think that way. Giving financially, not a lot of people have the opportunity to even think that way. When I was in Costa Rica, um, the way I tell a story, and this is true, is uh, the guy, the only person who spoke English with me was my interpreter and Jesus, okay? So I went over there, and I, I remember praying, God, if, I c if you can give me the gift of speaking Spanish, it would be a gift. I would do it. I remember praying that prayer. I didn't, I don't have that gift, okay? Um, and so I'm there, and I rem there's the pastor there that we would serve. It was in this small house, and the walls were super thin, just like plywood, and, um, and the shower, it would be the rain that was falling the day before that was the shower, and sometimes the heater, I mean, the heater was supposed to heat the water on its way down. It didn't really work. You know, you just take a cold shower. And the pastor, I would wake up every day, and you'd wake up to some crazy sounds in Costa Rica, just in the jungle, and I'd wake up, and I would see him. I'd go sit on the balcony, and I'd see him going into the market, getting fresh food, and coming back from the market, and he's so happy 
I remember one time I walked into his room and he's sitting on the couch and he's playing guitar. Now we don't know how to communicate, okay? I cannot speak Spanish or play guitar or sing, okay? So there's like a lot of things going against me and, and he's playing guitar and I'm talking to him, I'm like, you know, my, the interpreter is asleep. So I'm like, Pastor Luis, he goes, see. Sí. And, and I go, what are you playing? And he smiles at me, you know, he doesn't know what I said. And he's playing his guitar. So then I, I smell dinner. I, I remember going, well, what, what are we eating? What are we gonna, I'm super hungry. And I'm like, what are we gonna eat? And he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, you know. I go, okay. So we sit down at the table and, uh, and I get this bowl. And the bowl is, it's broth and then it's got vertebrae in it, okay? It's a cow's tail, okay? It's cow tail soup. I look at it and I go, I mean it. It smells really good. Now, I don't typically eat the meat off of vertebrae, okay? But I'm go it like smells really good. So I asked the interpreter, I go, what is this? And he goes, it's cow tail. And I said, oh, okay. I said, why, why doesn't everybody else have the tail? <laughs> you know, like what is, this is a joke on me? And he said, no, no. They would only eat this like once a year. And they wanted you to have the cow's tail. And you better believe I ate everything I could off of that cow's tail, okay? Now, would I suggest you go make cow tail soup? Probably not. Chicken noodle will do just fine. But in the moment, in the moment, the, what I realized was this. The thought of what can we do financially was not even on the radar but what can we do, it always is. And a Christian's mind should always be, what can I do for the person next to me? What can I do for my neighbor? What can I do for my church? I'm going, I, I got the cow's tail. It's the biggest honor. Now get this, I have, I've gone to eat at some really nice places with some of you, you know, some of you have been so generous to take me to nice places. I don't mean this in a rude way. I don't remember what that food tasted like. It was good and it was fine. I'll always remember what the cow's tail tasted like. Is a huge deal. An adventure with Jesus will always require generosity. Here's the last thing, is you're prepared right now. You're actually prepared for this. There's a story Jesus tells where he's talking, where he, well, it's told where he's watching with his disciples and he's watching people give their offering, their financial gifts in the temple. And, and he sees large gifts being given and then he sees a widow who gives a very small it's like less than a penny, a very small gift. And he says, she gave more than anybody else. She gave more than anybody else. Because following Jesus always requires a level of sacrifice. And sometimes we just give out of abundance, but we don't give out of sacrifice. And I would encourage you to think, what did Jesus give out of? Sacrifice. His whole entire life was a sacrifice. This is not a teaching to say, so? Let's, uh, let's all give this amount of, no, 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 no. I mean, if this is not that, this is a, to say, look, when we live in a culture where it is very much consume, and we're gonna talk about how to fight that culture, well, we need to talk about what it is to live a generous life in all areas of our life. And if you participate in the adventure of God, it will require your generosity.
it will require you to give. It is impossible, hear me very clearly, it is impossible to follow Jesus and to not live sacrificially. The, the man went to the cross, okay? So where he was going was a very sacrificial place. It's impossible. So as you follow him, if Jesus is saying, I, I, I'm asking you to lighten the load because we're gonna go some different places, it's way better that you do. This idea of eternal life, we treat it like, oh, so I get to live forever? It's like life you've never experienced before. I came to give life and life abundantly. That Jesus would give us something we've never experienced before. We talk about like this, not because I've talked, but um, C.S. Lewis has talked about like this. You're welcome. So here, here's, it's like this. Like when, when a woman has a baby in the belly, try to teach or try to tell that baby what life's like outside of the womb. Just try. Like you're like, it's awesome, you know? Like you're gonna have, I don't know, you can't even understand me. You know, you're like trying to tell the baby and so, when Lisa was pregnant, I know singing ABCs and all this stuff or feeling the baby. But you're trying to tell, but you can't. You actually can't do that. What they say, studies show, is that but when the baby is born, they do recognize the voice of the mother and father because that's the voice they've been listening to and the, the touch. They do recognize the touch. And you try to tell them, but then the only way they can experience it is to be born. And then you're like, yeah, this, welcome to the world. You're going to cry all the time, but this is the world. You'll get used to it, and you're going to, it's awesome. Like, it's way better than being stuck in a w belly, you know, like, it, and you're, it's just awesome. You can't explain. How do you explain that to them? But they hear the distant cries of their mom and their dad, and they feel the touch. This so much is what it's like to live this life right now. We hear the distant cries of God. We feel his touch, but there will come a day, and, and Romans tells us, the book of Romans, that the earth is groaning like it's in labor pains for the revelation of Jesus Christ. There will come a day when we are with God, and we go, this is everlasting life. This is eternal life. It's vibrant. It's like, and you go, how do you describe it? You, you can't. You can't, but I know the voice of God because I heard it from a distance, but his touch is with me now. This is why Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like, is like, is like, but you got to experience it. But, but as we travel with Jesus, we experience it here, and we'll experience it forevermore, but there are things we have to let go of. And the adventure of God will always require our generosity. Always. So in a culture that says, keep, 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 God says, give, give, give. Wisely, but give. Give away. So, Can we stand? Let's stand together. If I can have the ushers get ready, we're going to take up an offering. This is a time um, for some of you is completely normal. For others of you, you go, man, here is the money talk again. Here's, here's what I'm telling you. I believe investing in eternal kingdom purposes makes a really big difference. So there's ways. Uh, can you go to the uh, screen with the giving? There's ways that you can give. We're going to take up an offering. This is part of our response. But here's, once we've had a chance to give, here's going to be how you can respond. Move to the side for prayer. Now, I would encourage you this. If you are feeling like, I, I, I actually know what Jesus is asking me to let go of, again, 
It could be financial. It could be a relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to let you know the theology is wide enough that we believe the Spirit of God will speak to you on a personal basis. But you go, I know God is asking me to give something up, and I, I want to pray with someone. If you want prayer for that, please move to the side, and then someone from the prayer team will pray with you. We can uh, take communion in the back as a way of just saying, I remember when God gave everything for me, and I want to remember that today. Or you can stand and you can worship or just look at the words on the screen. What we want to do every time in this context is just to say, let's respond. Let's respond. Let's take time to respond. If you say, my response is, I'm going to think and ask questions. Do it. I'm so glad you are. I'm so glad you are. If you go, my response is, I need to give. My response is, I need to take communion. My response is, I need prayer. Just respond. Just respond. So I'm going to pray. And the ushers are going to take an offering. Once they have, then you can feel free to move about and respond in these different ways. Father, I will be the first to admit, when you ask things of me in all different areas of my life, I do not want to let them go. But I do trust that you're real and you're a good, good dad. You're really good. You've been so good to me, God. So my God, I pray for your generosity of love and peace and kindness, the fruit of your spirit. Let it shower us tonight so that we could live in a way that reflects Jesus. Lord, thank you for inviting us into life with you. What an adventure. What an amazing thing. And Lord, um, tonight we just offer up what it is that you ask of us. So give us ears to hear and hands that are willing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take up an offering, and then let's go ahead and respond.